Let's pray together, please. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are good and you are true and that if we give you all of our trust, we will not be disappointed. So Christ, I pray these things. Amen. So we've been talking about Romans 1, 16, where the Apostle Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it's the power of God that brings salvation to everybody who believes. We've been talking about how in this Easter season, it is a time that is, it's a great time for Christians to remember the reason for our confidence, that Jesus is the son of God who lived a perfect life and he died in our place and he conquered death and he's coming again and he's given us his Holy Spirit and he sent us into his world, into this world to be his light. And what do we take to the world? The good news of Jesus, which is the power of God that brings salvation. And one of the reasons we out of confidence is because we have 2,000 years of history, 2,000 years of evidence in history to show us how when Jesus is believed, when the good news is followed, he brings salvation. He changes the world. We've talked about how that's happened in several different ways. Um, Today, I want to talk about something we haven't had time to talk about, how, how Jesus brings salvation to civil governing. Now, I know that may sound a little um, a little different for our age, but remember the Bible says, righteousness exalts a nation, sins are reproach to any people. You know, in the 21st century, we take for granted the positive role that Christianity has played shaping human governments. But you know the word politics simply means the affairs of a city. Politics is to ask the question or answer the question, what is the best way to organize people? The Christian answer to that question is whatever ways allow for as much personal freedom as possible without creating social chaos. You know, if you don't have any laws... The reality is that we are not angels, that we are fallen human beings that tend to be selfish and sinful. And so without any kind of restrictions, then people tend to be sinful and there would be chaos. But too many restrictions and you remove human freedom. So the wrestling match throughout history of at least compassionate people has been, how do we have enough government to be able to to give um, order, but not so much that we take away freedom. And that's the constant tension of the role of government. But the reality is everybody longs to be free. I love the story that Paul Harvey used to tell of a chimpanzee. They set up the chimp in the world's finest cage, provided him the finest food, gave him the accommodations that every chimp would enjoy. The goal was to teach the chimp to speak English. For 14 years, he said, scientists entered the cage, worked with him for 12 hours a day to get him to talk. After 14 years of hard work, one day they walked into the cage and the chimp finally spoke. And what were his first words? His first words were, let me out of here. 
Paul Harvey didn't tell very funny jokes either. But everybody wants to be free. The struggle is how do we order society and give freedom? Now, for most of history, people have lived under some sort of dictatorship where the king was the law. Good kings balanced order and freedom. Evil kings were heavy-handed and tyrannical, and they would oppress people, and and people would um, struggle under the burden. But do you realize that what Jesus said is true when he said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free? There's no such thing as absolute truth. There's absolute freedom. I mean, yes, there is absolute truth. There's no thing such as absolute freedom, just freedom that is bound by truth. Ever ask yourself, where does freedom come from? If you have a chance, I'd encourage you to read Stanley Evans' book, The Theme is Freedom. After graduating from Yale University, he found himself asking the question, where does freedom come from? He was not a Christian necessarily. He attended the church every once in a while, but um, but he said, you know, from my education, I would have thought that the freedom maybe came from the enlightenment, but I knew that wasn't true. And so he started to do the study of world history and he came to this, to the reality, the conclusion, history, that, that freedom comes from the Bible. He said, freedom was certainly rooted in, um, in, in the Old Testament wisdom, but it really took full force in the New Testament with Christ. You know, the Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from above. Freedom is a gift from God. How does he give us freedom? First, God created the world with order. The word cosmos means order. He created the world with order so that we could be free. And Jesus said he he has come to set us free. Galatians chapter five, verse one, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. So ask yourself, who is the free person? Is the person that practices no self-discipline or self the person who practices self-restraint? Is it the person who defies God's reality or the one who tries to live in harmony with God's reality? Is it the one who it just gives in to his anger constantly or is it the one who controls his anger? Is it the person who just lives for every sexual compulsion or is it the person who disciplines his thoughts and behavior? This is part of what Jesus means when he says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It is discipline, godly discipline, godly boundaries that gives us the best possible way for freedom. So we're not surprised that before biblical truth was applied to civil government, most people lived in perpetual fear of the state. Your town could exist one day and be burned down the next if those in power so chose. Those in power were the law. They were above the law. They were allowed to give you freedom or to take it away. If they wanted you to be dead, you could be killed tomorrow and there would be nobody to hold them accountable. Power and fear ruled human societies for most of history. And where the and where Jesus is not, power and fear take over. 
but where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. See, freedom is found in a person, not in people. <clears throat> when you ask yourself, if you ask most people the question, where does freedom come from? I think a lot of people would say, well, we have freedom because the government gives us our rights. 20th century philosopher Sidney Hooks would say, would agree with that. He says, it's not God, but human communities that endow its members with rights. Professor Stanley Fish, First Amendment scholar, has said there is no transcendent foundation for rights or freedom. Quote, you are entitled to your own facts if you can make your version of them stick. See, it's the power of the persuasive, he would say, that gives us freedom. This technical term for this approach is called legal positivism. Legal positivism says no one can know the truth Rights are determined, therefore, by those in power. Rights are fragile because rights are given by people who can take them away. Powerlessness means hopelessness. But what if rights don't come from people, but from God, from Jesus? What if Jesus is really right, that he is the truth that sets us free? Well, before Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All rights, all freedom comes from Jesus. That's why our founding documents say that we have been endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. Noah Webster agreed. He said the moral principles and, pre and precepts found in the scriptures ought, um, ought to uh, be the basis for all of civil and constitution, constitutional laws. These principles and precedents have truth, immutable truth, for their foundation. That's why our founders were constantly referring to the Bible. Political science Donald Lutz examined 15,000 documents published in the early years of our nation. He found that the Bible was the most cited was more cited in all of the early documents, more than all of the Enlightenment authors combined. Now, our founders weren't perfect, but they did believe in truth that makes us free. They were, you cannot deny that our Constitution was written in the environment that, has, that had grown out of the Great Awakening. Even somebody as... Um, morally neutral as Benjamin Franklin considered the um, Great Awakening preacher, George Whitfield, one of his, um, in a sense, one of his mentors, one, one that he learned much from. Sadly, one of history's most palpable lessons is that when truth is abandoned, injustice and tyranny are not far behind. Our founders understood this. We were in Williamsburg, Colonial Williamsburg recently. And one of the things that they have in Colonial Williamsburg is different people who dress up in the characters of Colonial Williamsburg. And then they will speak in that character. And um, one of the people that we went to hear was Patrick Henry. Patrick Henry of the Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death speech fame. Patrick Henry made a couple of really strong statements toward the end of his talk. First of, all, first of all, he said one of his proudest moments in life 
was being able to take part in the creation of the Virginia Declaration of Rights, which went on to become the basis for the United States Bill of Rights. The second thing he was very clear and adamant on was our rights come from God, not from man. And he went on to say, if our rights come from man, they can be taken away. But if our rights come from God, they're inalienable. No man, no human, no government can take them away. Friends, that's the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gives us freedom because he's the one who gives us rights. Governments may acknowledge them or not acknowledge them, but we can claim them if they're given by God. As a little aside, by the way, people throw away this, this terminology of human rights kind of willy-nilly as though they can create a human right themselves. We have the rights that God gives us. And God does not give us the right to sin. <laughs> you know, sometimes people say the human right of abortion, you know, or the human right of, you know, being transgender or something like that. That's not a human right, okay? That's a right you may want to create. But rights are genuine rights when they are given by God. And they're eternal and transcendent. Now, why is the truth of Jesus what leads to freedom Another reason is because Jesus gives us the context for balancing how to honor God and how to honor the state. In Mark chapter 12, verse 17, Jesus was challenged on a political question and he said, um, you know, give me a token. And then he said, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. See, there are some things that are under God's, everything is under God's domain. And if Caesar is under God's domain and asks something of you that is just and right, then you render to Caesar. But if Caesar gets outside, if Caesar asks you to sin, if Caesar demands that you to sin, if Caesar doesn't allow you to do what God wants you to do, then you must obey God rather than men. See, the biblical key to freedom is a concept called lex rex. In the 17th century, Samuel Rutherford was a Scottish Presbyterian minister. And he began writing on politics that got him a lot of trouble, into a lot of trouble with the British throne. The big debate at that time was, is the king above the law or is the law above the king? Because for most of history, it's been Rex Lex. The, law is above, the king is above the law. Um, and if the king is above the law, then the king can take away or give the law and he's not accountable to the law. Rutherford wrote Lex Rex. The law is king. In other words, no king has limitless sovereignty. Above the king is a law because there is a lawgiver who is truth. Above the king is a law because there's coming a day when Jesus will judge the earth and all people Kings and paupers will stand before his throne. The law is king. The law is above the king. That's why even politicians today who don't understand what they're saying will say things like that are, that are true. Um, we are a nation of law, not of men. 
What's that mean? That means that law comes from something above us. It doesn't come from people. And everybody must be submissive to the law. Everybody is accountable. Now, the king wanted to kill Samuel Rutherford for pressing this idea. How dare he challenge the absolute authority of the king? But fortunately, I guess for Rutherford, he died before he could be killed by the king. Now, fast forward today. Do you see our need for truth? If there is no truth, there is no law to limit the power of government. It is no accident that as people run away from the truth, the more government power increases and individual freedom decreases. You know, over only 7% of Americans think the government has too little power today. 7%. 55% believe the government has too much power. The, the problem with big government is that it's kind of hard to opt out of government mandates. But the problem with the United States is that government hasn't taken over our rights as they've seizing it so much like in, in times of old. The government takes over our rights as we have traded them, abdicated them to the government because we would rather have their government protections, government, um, um, government uh, entitlements. And the government that takes care of us takes our freedom. Christianity has always been a champion for individual freedom. However, Christianity has always taught that individual freedom should be respected because everybody's created by God in his image, and therefore everybody ought to be given freedom. Individual freedom is not self-evident, by the way, in Islam or Hindu cultures. Go to Saudi Arabia today and ask, are all people created equal? I think they would laugh at you. Ask a Hindu Brahmin if people are created equal. Stand back and wait for the laughter. Hinduism has always believed in a caste system, whether it's legal or not. Marxism certainly does not believe in individual freedom and dignity. Nietzsche said equality is a lie concocted by inferior people who arrange themselves in herds to overpower those who are naturally superior to them. The, doctor of, the doctrine of equality, there exists no more poisonous poison, Nietzsche said. Paul Johnson, Princeton University historian, said the Great Awakening supplied the assumptions of our founding documents. Specifically, he says the American Revolution is inconceivable without a religious background. That our founding father and educator Noah Webster again said this, the moral principles and precepts contained in the scriptures ought to form the basis of all civil and constitutional laws. All the miseries and evil which men suffer from, vice, crime, ambition, injustice, oppression, slavery, and war proceed from their despising or neglecting the precepts contained in the Bible. Jesus said, I'm the truth. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. He said, you can't serve two masters. You'll either serve him or you'll serve yourself. Call it yourself, call it Satan, whatever. And the question that you need to ask is, which master is most interested in my freedom, but even more importantly, which master can actually give me 
freedom. See, truth really changes things, even in politics. The good news is, because of Jesus, we enjoy our freedoms today. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I'm convinced the biggest battle today is not the battle over the economy or same-sex marriage or abortion. The greatest battle today is our battle for freedom because it's the battle for truth. Does Jesus bring freedom? Is Jesus the truth who brings freedom? Or do people give us freedom? Can government, by giving us things, give us freedom? Or is the Bible the key to freedom? I am so proud of the good news of Jesus Christ. Because whenever the good news of Jesus Christ is applied to government, it brings freedom without chaos. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. I pray that you would allow it to take root and produce your fruit. Through Christ we pray. Amen.